Hey, Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here today and thank you for doing this podcast because I know today is your birthday. So I'm excited to have you on today. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's uh, it's a fun birthday gift that I, when I had the opportunity to choose the date, I was like, yeah, I <laughs> talk to some really cool people on my birthday. So yeah, here we are. Yay. I love that. And I, and I love too, because I feel like we have, um, a lot of similarities in common. We're both like, you know, super into that wild primal, like wild woman expression and just dropping into reclaiming your sovereignty on all levels and just like that witchy aspect. And so I really love that you embody that. That's like what you show up as. And I think that's why I just feel just like very instantly connected. Cause I'm like, yeah, I love everything that she's talking about and saying. So, um, for people who are listening and who, who may be wondering about how you got into this work, this work about, you know, really cultivating that wild expression and just really stepping into to honoring the truth of who you are. What has been your journey? How did you step into doing this work? Hmm. Um, I know it's always been in me. You know, I was always someone who really liked, like I was an athlete uh, growing up and I didn't really conform so easily to sort of how little girls identified. I played with uh, (laughs) He-Man and (laughs) G.I. Joes. And like, I was definitely more into, I would say like being physical, like, um, and so what I understood was that I always felt different. um, And I also always knew from a young age that I was here to do something big. Um, And when I was little, I would call that being famous because of course, like that's (laughs) what we are programmed to see that, you know, you're famous, you've made it or like you're doing something big in that way. But over time that has definitely evolved to in many different shapes, but ultimately i I understand that now more as being fully me. Um, And that's kind of a big deal in today's society, you know, like really allowing yourself to uh, let go of the programming. Now, for a part, just to like, give you the synopsis of, I call like my past life, the first 28 years of my life. Um, (laughs) And, you know, speaking to astrology of the Saturn return and then everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything changed. It was, it's just <laughs> wild how uh, aligned those moments in our lives are. Um, but as a survivor of sexual trauma from a very young age and, um, you know, divorced parents and a mother who was doing her best, but was deep in her own suffering Uh, And same with my father who wasn't around very much. And I just had one of those childhoods, I'm sure like many of your listeners, where it was just really full of hard things to to be with. And I learned to cope with that in a way that was not healthy, you know, coming into my teenage years, a lot of anger. I would say that I used to be the bully. So if, you know, anyone has ever had an experience with a bully, I definitely fit that archetype with how I was learning to deal with what was inside of me and the neglect that was happening in my home and the hurt and the anger and everything. Um, And then that turned into we can call it sex, drugs, and rock and roll, a very fast paced, um, self-destructive lifetime, uh, life pattern and path. And, you know, I had a lot of fun in that too, but I was really, really good at hiding how much pain I was in. I saw my mom really, uh, able to do that very well. She was, she showed me how to be a chameleon. She had a job where she was dealing with public. So she knew how to like turn off everything and just be a smiling face. And, you know, everyone would stop me and be like, Oh, I love your 
mom, she's so good. And deep down inside, I'd be like, you know, like just so angry. But um, I learned that from her to be able to just do that. And, you know, it did, it got me through a lot as well. It got me to, you know, be really good at being a bartender and getting to move to Australia um, and, and things like that. Uh, but ultimately the universe had a, you know, the universe planted the seed in me when I was young, that I was meant to do something different. And so in Australia, it really let me know by breaking my knee, <laughs> like basically you have to hurt yourself so bad that you cannot be in the pattern that you've been in for too long. You have to move home and get knee surgery. So back to Canada, I went and you know, just life shifted as when I was on that plane ride home, I heard what I know now to be, you know, my spirit team, my spirit guides, my, my grandma, my, my team uh, say it's time to heal. Uh, so then that journey began, that was 28. And I turned 41 today. So I've been on this path without looking back for that long. And it's just taken many different shapes. Mm, I love that. And we have so many, like, as you're talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I see so much of myself in you because I grew up, I was a big time athlete. I was a high performing athlete in my neighborhood. I was the girl that was outside and playing like, quote unquote, like war or army mm -hmm. with the boys. I was the girl because in my neighborhood, I, there were not there were no girls. It was just me and my sister. And so I was that girl that would be out there playing, you know, like three on three with the boys playing basketball and building forts and doing all of those, all of those things. And, you know, that really created like I, my biggest Achilles heel in this lifetime has been body acceptance with myself. And so, you know, being an athlete and just trying to just really like deeply drop into my body because I have a tendency to want to like escape the body. So really grounding in has been really, really, really helpful for me. And then just around, you know, talking about like how different paths take us down different things. Everybody thought that I was going to be, um, go to college and be a college athlete, which I had lots of scholarships to do it, but I just knew deep down inside that that phase of my life was over. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I'd been in the gym since I was five years old and I was now 18 and I was like, okay, am I going to do this for another four years or am I going to choose something different? And I chose something different. And that also created a whole dark night of the soul, you know, because everyone was mad at me. And like, at that point, I'm like, I don't even know who I am anymore because I'd been so attached to the label, the archetype of like the athlete. This is who I am. This is who Nicole is. And that was a lot, there was a lot of self-destruction within that too. Like, you know, for the first time in my life, like I didn't have to worry about, you know, my team or myself about like, you know, I can't do these things because, you know, I, I, I play the sport. I can't be benched. So like, you know, I got heavily into partying and mm -hmm. doing a lot of other things. And, you know, it's a lot of stuff that like, I've never really talked about, honestly, about this, this darkness that I felt like, almost like being spiraled into this sensation of depression because I no longer knew who I was. Yes, it was fun, like doing the party thing and, and, and all of that. But around that time too, because I'd been so heavily indoctrinated around like being an athlete, using my body, working out and this and that, like I kind of separated from that in college because I was like trying to choose this whole new path. And then we talk about the Saturn return. I'm like, yep. Because that's when I had my whole, like, like, what the fuck is life? What am I doing? Like, why am I in corporate America? Like, I hate this. I don't like this. And I started to question everything. And that one question around, like, I just like woke up and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing? And that just started this domino effect, you know, over the past 10 years that has brought me to this place, this moment. And 
if you would have asked my five-year-old self, like, you know, I, I had the same thing too. Like I always felt like I had, to, I was going to do something big and I wanted to be famous, but I just never knew like what it was. So it was like a little kid. You're like, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be a model. Those are the things that my five-year-old self wanted to do because I just felt like this big calling to do something big. And this, the way that everything has unraveled, I'd be like, wow, like my five-year-old self would never been able to conceive it because one growing up, you're not really shown or taught, you know, the types of things that we're doing. I mean, especially like energy healing and, and taking people to deep dives of their own interpersonal journey, um, working for yourself, like growing up, I didn't know a lot of people that were entrepreneurs. So like, that wasn't even a thought I was, that thought, like you go work for somebody, you go get a college degree, then you go enter the workforce. And this is like what you do. And my path has been anything but conventional. And <laughs> it's, it's been an interesting journey because sometimes that path can feel a little isolating, a little bit of a lone wolf. And because you're doing things that are so different, than the the narrative of society different than than mainstream and so as you have allowed yourself to just follow those breadcrumbs on your path what has your own personal healing journey looked like that like really brought you to this this place because i find that when we create things it's like we are serving a past version of ourselves because we don't want people to feel stuck or to feel like they're not enough or that they don't have a place or a voice. And so how did your healing journey bring you to creating the things that you're putting out into the world? Mm. Um, well, on that plane ride home, I what I now know is my th throat chakra was just like, speaking to me so loudly and saying like, you have to tell your truth. So immediately I searched for sexual assault uh, counselors because uh, not only was there that one time when I was very young, there was many other times and some really intense sexual trauma that had happened um, during my self-destructive phase. And so I just knew that was a big part of how I was meant to heal. So I still have the therapist today. She's amazing. I recommend everyone if they can seek that, that person, that, that professional person that can be, you know, on your team. Um, and, but what ultimately for me in my daily life, was one of the main catalysts and continues to be, and it's taken many forms is creativity. Mm -hmm. um, I just started, I knew I like my, it was also my hands were like, I just, there was, it was like my sacral chakra turned on and I just became this different version of myself because I stopped all of the intense patterns and running away from who I actually was. Mm -hmm. um, and that also brought me into bouts of depression because like you were saying, like, I didn't know who I was, but I had this internal drive that just like turned on. It was like when I was an athlete like that, you know, when I was on the rugby field or the hockey rink, like just going that mm -hmm. type of person, but I was able to learn to start to channel that intensity in a healthier way. And I still to this day, that's what I do. And, you know, working with the sacral chakra and the kundalini energy and any reading that I've had with, you know, over these past 13 years has basically all been, you know, you're a Scorpio, you have a ton of uh, kundalini energy in you. And if you don't learn how to create safe containers for that, you will self-destruct, mm -hmm. which I have in many other lifetimes. So one of my biggest lessons that I'm hearing and that I've you know, continuously been tapping into is like really being able to <clears throat> create that safe, sacred, masculine container um, mm -hmm. that will be the, the container for the feminine energy to flow in. And like you said, like, I still love to, uh, 
I have to be really careful when I'm too much in my feminine mm-hmm. uh, because I'll be up in the sky and just like dreaming <laughs> and playing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but creativity, you know, I've been able to create businesses over businesses, multiple different ways of putting my creative energy into something and selling it. And also it always comes with a message of, empowerment for women no matter what it is I was making there was always that that energy that came along with it it wasn't just a product and I've been lucky enough that everything um, that I've really put my heart energy love creativity into has been successful you know because I've learned Mm -hmm. to really cultivate that within myself and create those practices and understand that you know my practice isn't just always yoga on the mat. Sometimes it's really, I love clouds, mm-hmm, <laughs> contemplating mm-hmm. on clouds, you know, and just being with that. So being very experimental with how I am playing in, uh, in that energy as well. I love that. And I know that one of the things that you recently launched is your, your program is it the wild her. It's called wild school. My brand alter ego is wild her okay. and then she creates, uh, yeah, she's created wild school for the second year in a row. Yeah. I love that. And so just tell me a little bit, like, what is, what is this school? What is this platform all about? And like, what is the sacred intention around it when you work with people who sign up for that? Um, wild school is basically an unschooling, a program of unschooling ourselves and a process of unlearning um, our programs, our mental constructs and doing it in a very safe, sacred container with other women. Um, So it's a journey. I call it a journey. There's a reason it starts in Scorpio season. There's a reason that it goes through the darker seasons in this hemisphere because the the energy and the seasons support it for us Mm -hmm. to be able to go deeper into who we are. Um, and there's a lot of, there is a lot of, I mean, the foundation truly is about really having the women understand who they are as the soul, the essence that has incarnated on the planet and where the programs and where the indoctrination and where the, the mental constructs have been placed within them and taking them through a framework that really helps them to identify what they are, where they came from and how they feel in their bodies, you know, like really coming back into their body and understanding when they're reacting from a program and then they think it's them, but it's actually not them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and bringing them through that adventure over four months and then adding different um lessons around say love and relationships and like really taking them in to see how our most intimate relationships are a laboratory and I know you love Richard Rudd as well like he's Mm -hmm. been he came in the Gene Keys came in to me at the perfect timing this year and they are actually a big focus of how I'm bringing through the women through wild school this year um, Mm -hmm. and using Uh, his genius in this work as a lens to really help them identify the shadows that live within them. So we'll be working with their, each of their gene keys profiles as well. Oh, I love that. I love that. And so like in your work, especially because I work specific, I wouldn't say specifically, but I work, the majority of the clients I work with are women or female, female identifying. And so in working with the groups that you do, the souls that you do, what do you find are some of the most common threads of unschooling that you take these clients through? Like, what are some of those themes that you notice a lot? Uh, Definitely relearning how to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, it's so wild to see how many women have learned over time to not trust themselves. Um, so that's a big one. And also um, really helping them to use their voices. So I definitely would say like the foundation is to trust themselves because without that, you will not trust yourself to unfold into 
the different shadow aspects, for example, reactivity, uh, really helping them to create new responsibility to um, their reactions. So being able to be the witness. And if you don't trust yourself to be the witness to what your programming is, then, you know, you're, you're not going to learn how to be in response to the program that's just coming up for you. Um, so really, and, and also touching on victim consciousness, because it is so ingrained in our, our own consciousness and the way we view the world just by um, being a human. Can I swear on here? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. Absolutely. <laughs> By being a fucking human, we forget how hard that is. And um, it's important to be able to be the witness of how these nuanced consciousnesses exist and what they feel like in our body. So definitely like that body somatic experience, being able to be the witness and trust is such a big one. I love that. And I love that like you bring in the human aspect, you bring in the body, you bring in body wisdom, because that is something that I find that so many teachings, you know, and, and not to a fault of their own, but I feel like that is a big part that is like left out or when people step on to like this path of like unlearning and relearning. And I think we all go through it and our spiritual awakening path is like this. We think that ascension or whatever is like leaving the body going outside and, and just like, you know, it's all about like meditation, getting out and connecting and having these big prolific messages. And, and, you know, that can, that is part of the journey, but it's also then like bringing it back in and that distortion around like, what, what am I here to do? Like, what does this process look like for me? And then taking it back into the body, bringing it through the body, integrating it, the embodiment and paying attention to those somatic messages and, and playing with the energy through the body and just creating that foundation. And then, like you said, trust, like, I find that's a huge one. It's like, when I work with people, they don't trust themselves enough to like, you know, who am I to do this? Like, it's that whole like imposter syndrome. And I worked with somebody not too long ago, um, we were talking and we were just discussing imposter syndrome. And she brought up this thing that she had read. And I was like, Oh, I kind of like this because I still find no matter where I'm at in my path, when I'm stepping into bigger things, I always feel like that imposter syndrome. And she was telling me that she read that if you ever get to the point where you're not feeling imposter syndrome, that then you're not taking big enough leaps and steps into your power. And I was like, Hmm, that makes a lot of sense because I like, you know, it's like, after you kind of like, quote unquote, master something, you're like, Oh my gosh, I did it. That wasn't that scary. But then that next thing is just waiting around the corner. And it's like, okay, like you're ready step into this next thing. Okay. You can do this. And when you first step into it, you are going to feel like an imposter. You're going to feel like, who am I to be talking about this? Like, do people understand what I'm saying? Do I even know what I'm saying? And I feel like that all the time when I'm stepping into bigger things. And once I step into it and then I build trust with myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, that wasn't that bad. And so I find that, that, that trust, like you said, super foundational. I find that it's very key with myself. Like I have to build that like unshakable sacred trust with myself, because if, if I don't have it, then I'm never going to fully be able to anchor into that experience for myself. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, being a parent, I can see how uh, like you just naturally get your own self-trust taken away from you by authority figures in your life. You mm -hmm. know, I'm just like, I really try very hard to be witness to how I'm speaking to my boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like I try, like when I had kids, I was like 20, I was 22 with my son and then 24 with my daughter. Um, like I didn't have like, you know, that like, oh my gosh, like this is conscious parenting. Like no, I came in, right. Like yeah. I came in, I came into conscious parenting later. Yeah. And obviously it crossed my path at the right time where I could truly receive it, 
understand it and be, and like, honestly use it on myself as well to reparent mm-hmm. myself. And, and not to say that my parents, you know, you know, didn't do the right things. They did the best they could. They were young parents as well. And like, you know, I had a, I had a beautiful childhood, but there's just like a lot of different things. I was like, Oh, wow. Interesting. And so I came into conscious parenting probably like five years ago, I think. And really, I try to remind myself of everything because especially in the work that we do, we meet people all the time that have, you know, you know, mother wounds, father wounds, Mm -hmm. need to reparent themselves, have like a, a traumatized inner child and things like that. And so I meet people from all walks of life that have some type of trauma from a childhood, whether it be, you know, whatever the trauma is, we Mm -hmm. all have it. Mm -hmm. And so because of the work that I do, I think it's created me to be more conscientious and more conscious of, okay, how can I show up in this supportive way? How can I give my kids freedom? How can I give them voice? How can I allow them to express their feelings, to trust themselves and to validate things for themselves and to just not react. And if I catch myself in that like reactivity, which we're human. So sometimes we, and I'm just like, okay, Mm -hmm. I need to go sit down and say, and apologize and say, you know, like, I didn't mean to speak to you that way. Your feelings are valid. I honor and things like that. And it's just so interesting because, um, I wish I would have known about it when I had kids, but like when I first started having kids, but I didn't come into it. And it's just that being able to, just really witness how we are as the parent and not taking, like you said, like not taking away their trust, their freedom and, and making it all in our hands that we are the above all end all authority, like letting them realize too, that they have authority over their life and, and things like that. And obviously we're here to help guide them and to make them feel safe in the space that they take up and, and things like that. It's just such a wild journey, like being in the, in the roles that we're in and helping others, but also parenting as well. I know. Right. It's just like, sometimes I'm like, okay, can I just turn this part of me that sees everything (laughs) off for like a little bit so I can just be ignorant as bliss or something, you know, (laughs) but you know, sometimes I feel like that's a, that's a blessing and a curse having the gifts that we do in Mm -hmm. some ways, because I know that my poor husband, you know, uh, I have to turn it off so that I let him have his own experience too, where I'm not like, okay, but you could just really do this and look at it this way. Or like, and it's just like, no, I have to turn that off and understand within me that it's his experience mm-hmm. and, and, and I, my influence just isn't fucking needed right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, and I have to like ask you too, cause I get asked this so much by like those that I work with people who listen to my podcast. The number one question I always get asked is there was like, is your husband as conscious as you are? <laughs> and I, I have to laugh and I'm like, I mean, he's conscious in his, in his own, in his own way on his own path, but by no means is he doing everything that I'm doing. Like he doesn't have crystals. He's not flipping cards. He's not going to retreats. He's not like meditating. Like I, like that, like I am, but he honors my path and he will listen. And sometimes he'll say like, I, I don't understand fully what you're saying, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm listening. And so I have to ask you, like, what is your relationship? Like with your husband, like, you know, you're super like witchy and like cosmic and things like that. And, and how is he, because some people are like with me, they're like, how does that work? Because you're so here. My husband is literally my grounding force. I tell people if we were both like Nicole's, it probably wouldn't work. We wouldn't get shit done. (laughs) Oh, it's so cool. Um, because my husband, like what you said is, is very on par for me too. Um, and you know, we've definitely, I've, I've had my inner struggles with him, not wanting to understand more or not wanting to like Mm -hmm. do more meditation or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I just have to realize again, 
that's his journey. But what he offers me is actually a huge part of the medicine that I'm here to learn in this lifetime uh, because he is so grounding and Mm -hmm. what his needs are, if I listen to them with an open heart are actually what he's asking of me is helping me develop my mastery is helping me develop who I'm here to be in this lifetime and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's, (laughs) sometimes it's hard to hear that on, on either end, but we're learning how to do that because we choose each other every day. And I love how you said your husband's like, well, I don't understand. I'm like, (laughs) he says that all the time and he just rolls his eyes, but he also has tuned into where my menstrual cycle is and where the moon is and like, okay, where's the moon at right now? Like, (laughs) you know, he will, he's tuning into different things and through me showing up fully as me and owning who I am, he's starting to do that as well. Like wanting to be out in nature more and make more time for himself. My husband is someone, he has his own uh, successful uh, construction business. So he builds beautiful homes. And I saying him to him the other day, I'm like, you build the outside of the house and I help people build the inside. Mm. And it's so cool. You know, <laughs> when you look at it that way, that's yeah. really what we do. And when we let, we see each other for what we, who we are in this world and we're grateful for it. And sometimes it's hard to be that, but it's just mm-hmm. like, wow, this partner that I've chosen really shows me a lot of medicine for my own life. Yeah, I love that. And that's how I feel about like my husband too. He's very grounded. He's very, um, he's very analytical. So like, he's great at like analyzing things and, and he's very like logical where Mm -hmm. me, I'm very like, Oh, let's go here. Like I'm super free spirited. It's just like, I have all these grandiose like ideas and, and plans. And I'm much more like, I just want to do the work. I want to be of service. I want to share the medicine and I tend to like want to neglect like the back end things. I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't want to think about like yeah. the books, finance, where my husband is uh, like, he's a CFO. So he's a, ch- a chief financial officer. He was in the Marine Corps for a long time. So very, just like has that very diplomatic, very like leadership, like, okay, like we can do this. And he helps me a lot with that. Like if I run things past him, he can offer just a very keen sense of laser focus around, okay, like this, yeah, that would work. Or like, well, have you thought about this? And I'm like, oh, I didn't really think about that. Like, cause I just like, I want to like, just like do, and he is seriously like, that beautiful grounding force. If I could find myself feeling like overwhelmed, overstimulated with energy, like where I can spiral, he can like help hone me in and be like, Nicole. And I'm like, okay, like you're right. And just like, (laughs) and just like you said, like my husband is getting very in tune with my moon cycle goal and understanding like the different phases of like where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Um, cause like, if I feel like really like, just like snappy, he'll be like, um, he's like, are you, he's, he'll be like, are you in your wild woman phase? That's what he'll say. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, I'm feeling like that. And he, and he has really, and he's way more intuitive than he gives himself credit for. And he's starting to realize it. Cause I will constantly remind him. I'll be like, Kenton, you're, you're super, like, you're very intuitive. Like you're way more intuitive than you understand. And he's like, well, I guess intuition and reading energies. He's like, to me, he's like, I think of it like, well, that's just common sense. I'm like, but that's not common sense. Mm -hmm. I was like, you're reading something deeper. And so he's started to like pick up on the way that like my lingo, the things that I say and just observing me, how I am like with my meditation, going out for nature walks, sitting outside and, and like earthing and doing different things. And in his own time, just from watching me be the embodiment of who I truly am, it's invited him to like explore those things for himself and to try them on for size and to find what feels good, like what works for him, which I think is so interesting. Cause like you were saying, like we, we choose each other every single day. He is the medicine that I need. I'm the medicine that he needs because I need a little bit more of that grounded, sometimes logical, <laughs> that side. And he, he needs 
like what I give, which is that like big dreamer, like airy fairy, like cosmic, like otherworldly type of being. And we just like add those textures and flavors and fill the gaps for each other. And I just think it's so interesting. So I think that's amazing with you and your husband, because that's like one of the biggest questions I get when I work with like long-term clients, because they feel themselves shifting and opening up to who they truly are. And they're like, shit, like I'm completely different than I was when I married my husband. And like now, like now they're trying to find that, like, oh, I need to bring him with me. Otherwise it's not going to work. And I'm like, you don't, you don't have to force your partner to come along with you. Like they have free will just be yourself and, you know, allow them to observe you. And, and if they should be honoring your growth, not trying to, you know, hamper it or trying to stunt it and just kind of pay attention to those things. And I'm so grateful. Like my husband has allowed me to explore all the super like out there witchy ways. Like I I have to tell the story because I laugh because like I collect my menstrual blood and I give it Mm -hmm. back to the earth Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was in the bathroom one day and he was like, um, are you, he's like, are you, what are you doing with this? I'm like, oh, I'm going to dump it and give it to the earth. And he's like, what? And I was explaining to him this whole process. And so I just like laugh. I'm like, I know I'm like, I'm super witchy. I'm like, you know, this about me. And he was like, I know he's like, I'm not judging. He's like, I was just wondering what you were doing with this blood. And, and now he just knows, which it's just, it's just funny because it's like, I'm just completely myself. I can be completely myself around him. He doesn't care how weird it is. Even if he thinks it's like, quote unquote, weird, doesn't get it. He just is like, whatever, like, this is how, this is, this is my wife. This is how Nicole is. And I think it's, it's just funny. Like, I just laugh now at this point. I definitely want to also say that it took me as a person a long time and a lot of, a lot of work to get where I am in my relationship. Actually, Mm -hmm. at the start of 2020, we, I left the marriage for about eight weeks and and then the pandemic hit. And it's interesting how the pandemic will put everything into perspective. And, but what I did leave knowing, like there was a part of me that wanted him to be more like me. I, I thought in that moment when I was making that choice, that's what I heard I knew like through my body that it was time to shift, but ultimately it was really for me to look at who I was being in the relationship and why it felt so hard, why it felt so many different ways. But ultimately what I came back to know and trust even more is that he is such a part of the medicine that I'm here to, to, Um, experience with a partner and in an intimate relationship. And my job is to trust that my job is to not be reactive and keep healing those parts in me and and honoring those little girl parts in me that want to just so badly make it feel different or whatever, but Mm -hmm. to, to say like, okay, little Katie, I've got you. I'm reparenting. I can mm-hmm. speak that this is triggering to, to him now, you know, just like, mm-hmm. um, so it's taken me a lot of uh, work to get where I am in the marriage right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but I mean, like with any good thing, if, if, if you're willing to go deep inside your inner wilderness and be with it and you're safe in your marriage like there's no abuse outwardly and things like that mm-hmm. um there's a lot to be harvested for your ultimate uh evolvement really yeah no i love that and i love that you use the word inner wilderness mm-hmm. and so for people who are listening what would be some some tips or advice that you could give to the audience about helping them to tap into their, like their inner wild or like rewilding their self, what would be some tips and advice that you could give them? Number one, to set the intention that you are, you are walking with it. Um, 
I always call it a walk because, you know, we've been programmed from all of these gurus that we need to change our mindset and change your mind and change your life. And all of this, like, to me, it seems like very intense masculine way of doing our inner work. And I do not see it in that way. I, Mm -hmm. it, it is, it's not a fucking fast food way to heal yourself. We're walking into this path that isn't a path quite yet and we just have to be willing to do it and and learn to trust ourselves as we're walking down the path that we can't really quite see yet and that's where you know being in sisterhood like wild school for example or you know I run retreats and, and and live events and circles and there's just so much power linking arms with other women that are walking into their wild together and honestly um you know how Richard Rudd talks about contemplation. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that has been wild medicine because I have such a, I don't know if it's the way my brain works. I can't meditate in the way that we have learned meditation very well. So I think that's where like me cloud gazing or me just mm-hmm. going to be in nature and walking really slow and breathing and looking up at the trees like that art of contemplation has literally changed so much for how I move through things it really helps me to become the witness so much Mm -hmm. quicker Um, and so just being willing that's what I always say like who are you willing to be in Mm -hmm. order to move through this season in your life because it's all a season you're not stuck you're simply being asked to to move you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, I love that and I love like that art of contemplation um I feel very similar um I've had to unlearn Mm -hmm. around meditation and mindfulness and like I really teach it this way too because I'm very much about expansive discernment and choice and fluidity Mm -hmm. in your practices and the things you find really sacred and around basically unboxing yourself, like fuck Mm -hmm. the box. Like I say that all the time. Yeah. I, I like, I, I, I just, because it's probably, I have a, I have an Aquarius sun and moon and Aquarius (laughs) stellium. So I'm very much like, like fuck this, like, no. And (laughs) When I teach a lot of things, it's just like, I, I, I don't even want to call it teaching. I'm like storytelling, I'm speaking and I'm sharing like, this is what I've done. This is what works. And then literally I'm just like, okay, like, but what, what do you feel? Like, forget everything I said. What did this spark awaken you? What did you feel? What did you see? What knowingness is coming to you? I want you to practice and do those truths play, 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 play with meditation, play with all of those things. And if sitting down, you know, cross-legged on the floor and and in silence, does not work for you. Meditation, it feels like brutal and you hate it. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking do it because I know there are a lot of teachings that say, well, keep doing it. Cause it'll feel uncomfortable. Cause you've never, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but if you show up to it and you fucking dread it every time, my, my being this, Nicole's going to be like, why the fuck am I doing this? I hate this. I don't like it. There are so many different ways for you to drop in deeper to your core essence and to connect to your soul, to connect to all of the energy around you that I want you to find that. I want you to seek that. I want you to play with that and honor that. And if you do like nature walks and contemplation, every day for a month. And that feels so good. And then one day you're like, I feel like I want to do something else. Allow yourself the freedom to do that and to not attach yourself to like, but if I quit doing this, then I'm less spiritual. I'm less enlightened. I'm less this. It's like, give yourself the freedom to choose in every now moment. And I like that you talk about that because a lot of people get totally mind fucked when it comes to meditation, thinking like, I have to do it this way. If I don't do it this way, I'm not spiritual. I'm not going to hear my soul. I'm not going to be able to receive messages. And it's like, that's not true. There's Mm -hmm. so many different ways to do it. And we have to like, basically say like, okay, fuck this box. I'm breaking out of this box, this glass ceiling. And 
I'm going to allow myself to open up to the possibilities of what feels good. I can try all these different things on for size. If I don't like them, doesn't mean that it's wrong. It worked for this person, but it doesn't work for me. And I honor their truth, but I honor mine more. And I'm going to choose something else. And so that Mm -hmm. I, I love that you brought that point up around like meditation and finding that contemplation in nature, what works. Cause I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's, and even just contemplation when I'm cooking or mm-hmm. when I'm writing or, you know, just even driving and having those, those moments of sacred pause have, mm-hmm. to, they're just so, they're so much more powerful than this, the quote unquote spiritual community has ever really taught. And mm-hmm. it, it is because um, you know, those kind of bigger things sell and everything, but really we're multi-dimensional beings. So of course there's going to be so many different ways that number one, if we trust ourselves to explore it and that it works for us, you know, we can just, like you said, go play and play. And Mm -hmm. another big thing that I do want to share, um, and, there's actually a highlight of, of it on my Instagram that I'm adding to is what I call the wild mirror practice. Mm. So I have a mirror on the ground, actually where my altar is in, in a mat in front of it. And I'll put on some sort of like central music in my headphones and just move my hips and touch my skin and feel mm-hmm. sensual and self-pleasure in that way. You know, don't be afraid of the word self-pleasure because mm-hmm. it can mean one thing, but it means so many other things too. And when we allow ourselves to look through those sacred central practices through that lens of self-pleasure, uh, we see more opportunities for that as well in our lives, you know, like eating a butter tart in the bath on your birthday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it. Right. Um, But that has been for me specifically be as a, as a healer, um, pardon me, as a survivor of sexual trauma, really coming back into being okay with my sensuality and my sexuality and and my Mm -hmm. body and just gently activating the palms of my hands and feeling the energy and then touching my skin and my hips and that Mm -hmm. kind of movement. I teach a class called wild rising, which is, you know, a static intuitive dance movement and primal like play on the ground and stuff like Mm -hmm. that too. And that's just been super healing for me and other women. I love that. And I do something similar, which I do like mirror work, like eye gazing, but like Mm -hmm. I do it naked because for me, that has been very healing with feeling comfortable in this human body and feeling comfortable with my, my body itself, because I've had a lot of issues around like body image, which I'm sure that there's so many listening who can relate to like the struggle Mm -hmm. about feeling connected and in love with the physical body that you have or your physical attributes and things like that. So I do that. And that's been really good for me. I do the eye gazing and then like, sometimes I'll put on music and I'll just kind of like dance around and and do it like naked and like Mm -hmm. embodiment, like ecstatic dance and getting in touch with the primal movements, the central movements of the hips and like bringing in movement and breath work is like part of the work that I do too, because I feel like we can become so disconnected from feeling and listening to the body and the body wisdom. And I'm just always trying to help bring people back home to that. Like when I say, Mm -hmm. I'm bringing you back home, I'm bringing you back home to your body. Your body is its own intelligence in its own right, in its own way. And together, the soul and the human self are here to work together to kind of intertwine like the Shakti and Shiva energy. Mm -hmm. And we're not here to separate the two and say, okay, you go to this category, you stay over here in this category. It's about what is that harmony point that that common ground that we can find between the two to weave them together to synergize and Mm -hmm. to work and that has been one of my like biggest like learning experiences is to merge the human self, the body with my soulful cosmic self and be like, 
these, these can work together. I don't, you don't have to keep it separate. You don't have to keep the human, this, the human self over here in this pile, because the people know you as this or that, the fitness instructor, the athlete, the super grounded quote unquote human. And then you have to keep your witchy otherworldly, like person who loves to talk about like all this deep shit, like over here, because only these people, and I'm like, no, like they're both me. I want to bring them into wholeness because it feels too exhausting to keep it all fucking separate. So how can I bring you into harmony? And that's been a huge lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, big time. Yeah. It's like, it's such an interesting like journey. And I think we all go through it, like where we think like we have to, you know, be this person for these group of people. Cause they know us as this and like, okay, like I can secretly share like all these channeled messages and talk about star seeds and talk about like dancing naked and, and giving my blood to the earth with these people. Cause, oh my gosh, they fucking get me. But it's like, no, like I want to blend the two together because that's who I am like at the core, like, and so I'm ready to shed these layers and these masks. And like you said, like, I love like that you call your school. It's like, it's an unlearning. <laughs> That's what you're there to do. It's not like you're, you're learning things, but you're also, it's all about the unlearning. It's the unpacking. It's the unraveling. It's the like the shedding of all these layers that we have built up through conditioning society past lives, childhood, peers, and things like that. And then taking them off one by one and being like, okay, is this even fucking valid for me anymore? Where did I learn this? Who told me this? Where did I pick this up? Because I didn't decide this, but so if I didn't decide this, I can now let it go. I can like no longer agree to it. It's that whole, like, you know, I'm giving this back. Like this isn't mine. And, but it takes us coming into that awareness, being able to like observe it. And you talked about that and like that, like victimhood consciousness, being able to step outside of it and like observe it and like talk to it and understand it and all of those things. And Mm -hmm. like that from those triggers, that reactivity and being able to step back and talk to yourself and being like, why am I feeling this way? What is this making me feel? Where do I feel it in the body? Is this even true for me? I'm such an inquisitive person. So like when I do drop-ins with myself, it's always a lot of where, why, where do I, like, where is this feeling? How am I feeling? And I do that with clients too, because I feel like when we, when we can sit with ourselves and hold that space and we can ask questions and go deeper and deeper and deeper, we just like we like literally like collapse timelines because it's like, we're willing to sit in it and be with it and not try to escape it. Oh yeah. Uh, there's so much, there's just so much wisdom, uh, that lives in us. And, and the, there's, there's nuance and layers and, Mm -hmm. um, different pathways to, to being uh, observant. You know, I, I often giggle, hopefully not out loud at my clients too much, but like, (laughs) um, or, you know, when people say like, oh, I thought I got over that. And I'm like, oh, you silly human. Like there's Uh so many layers, like till the end of your life. So just get used to get get excited, not even used to it. Like get excited for the next layer that's coming up because it is always for you. It Mm -hmm. is always for your ultimate evolution and your attitude and the way you perceive what is coming through, like matters so much more than I think people really realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And people probably think that I'm like, quote unquote, crazy. Sometimes when I talk about like, I, I mean, I literally feel like this. I'm like, I, I actually like when I get triggered because it gives me like a, I'm like, Ooh, why does, I'm always like, why did that bother you, Nicole? Mm -hmm. What about this situation or that person? And why do you even care? Like what is going on within you? And whatever it is, like, do I, like, what energy are you perceiving that you're not giving to yourself? Why did you feel jealous? Why do you feel like you can? And so like, but it's because I've gotten to that point of awareness and trust with myself where I can like observe it and I can feel it and I can hold the space and I can be aware. Now, years ago, I'm not going to like say, oh, I love being triggered. Like, no, I didn't because I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't understand the capability that I had to actually 
unpack that trigger and to see what was truly going on, whether I'm giving my power away or I'm letting something take my power because I'm not willing to sit with myself and to say, what, what do you need? How can you give this to yourself? And, and now I'm in that point where I'm like, yes, I do like to, when I'm, when I'm triggered, because that lets me know of some energy charge that's left within me around something that maybe I thought that I had like cleared, healed, whatever, erased, you know, whatever you want to say. And I'm like, Hmm, there's still some energy charge around this. Let me go. Let me go explore this. Let me play with this a little bit. And also I want to add having the most self-compassion for when something shows up, quote unquote, air quotes again, you know, like mm-hmm. not from a place of judgment ever. I, I feel like judgment is an epidemic in itself, yes. especially when it's, you know, self-judgment. I said this at retreat um, when I had all of, you know, the 30 women together, I was like, it came through so loud and I was like, judgment is an epidemic you know we what does judgment feel like in your body and everyone sort of like slouched their shoulders and Mm -hmm. you know just sort of curled in and I'm like are we taking up space when judgment is present no we're not so Mm -hmm. when you experience those inner moments and those inner triggers and like you know you're not going to be perfect at it every time you're going to feel judgment sometimes but really allowing yourself to put your hand on your heart, breathe and come back into that awareness of like compassion and I'm human and I'm doing this and I I'm willing to keep going and you know, all of that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. This has been such a, a good, just flowing, expansive conversation. And Mm -hmm. if there's anything that you want to leave, you know, the listeners with, um, what it, like you can leave whatever you want, like uh, your favorite quote, like a little advice, whatever it is, what would you like to leave the listeners with today? I would definitely just love to, to say that the path that you're walking is it's a path, like picture, close your eyes and picture the, the forest and know that Sometimes you might walk around the same tree for a year and sometimes you might really barrel through a a path that feels free and clear and just trust where you're going, no matter what, you know, no matter what guru or what program tells you it should be this way or, or, or whatever that trusting yourself is all the ultimate way to experience your yourself, your own humanity, your, your wildest gifts that are here to be of service, you know, and just keep breathing and putting one foot in front of the other and your soul family will come in and just keep slowly trusting this is not a race, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. we're not, we're not here to be the most spiritual. In fact, I fully believe that, that conversation is shifting to really be the most human with a a beautiful, fully alive soul that Mm -hmm. that can be integrated in both. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that beautiful visual. I closed my eyes and did it too. Mm -hmm. And I I love that you bring so much nature into, even without even talking about it, like it just exudes from you like this, like very lush, wild, like tree forest. Like I feel it from you. And Mm -hmm. I, I feel so connected to that because I, I love nature. I love trees. And it's like, that is so resonant with my soul. So thank you for taking us through that visualization. And if people want to connect with you or work with you, what are the best ways and places that they can do that and find you? And I'll also make sure to include it in the show notes as well. Uh, Instagram is my favorite place to play. So um, Katie Jane Wilkin, uh, Wild Her is, in, is my Instagram handle. Uh, wildher.ca is under construction. So my website, I feel like I've been saying that for 10 years. <laughs> Like I'm always evolving and doing new things. So there's like, 
there's just a constant, but no, the, uh, the uh, mentorship and all of that, because I do do one-on-one -on -one work. That's all like actually literally as we speak, getting set up better. So, but Instagram is the first place to play. And from there we can just, uh, yeah, we can see where we're meant to go. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today, Katie. It was a beautiful chat and topic. And I know that the listeners got so much out of it and happy birthday again to you. Thank you. I, I want to do it again. It was so much fun. Thank I know. You. I love it. You're so welcome. And to all of you listeners out there, thank you for being with Katie and I on this beautiful, magical journey. I hope that you found some wisdom nuggets and you took the pieces that were resonant and felt good for you today. And we just really invite you into owning and harnessing your inner wild and I am sending you guys all so much love and I will catch you guys on the next episode until next time.